Good morning. Will you open up in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5? We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 through 9 this morning as we start a new sermon series uh, that is entitled Unseen. We're going to start a new sermon series entitled Unseen, and I evidently put the wrong sermon into the slides this morning. That is completely my bad, Luke. Do you see it under sermon notes, 10-3? Man, we better pray for this, folks. Let's pray together. Father God, we are in awe of how someone so big, so mighty, so good will come to this earth. And Father, we need desperately your love, your grace, your mercy, and we need your justice in this world. As we study First Peter this morning, I pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds and that you'll just guide and lead our discussion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of y'all were fans of the Matrix film series? Anybody here? I got a few in, in the room. It was released in 1999, and Warner Brothers had just released, I don't know if you know this, but Warner Brothers just released a fourth installment trailer for this sci-fi thriller. This film described the future in a reality where humans were actually part of a bigger matrix, a simulated reality created by sentinel, uh, sentient machines in order to pacify and subdue the human population while their bodies heated and electrical activity, their bodies fueled these machines. There's this main character, Neo, who's offered uh, a red pill Remember that? That will open his eyes to the reality of what's really going on in mankind. He takes the pill and he begins this journey of their fight against the machines to save mankind from slavery. Ha-ha! Unseen. From 1999 to this date, the Matrix franchise has grossed over $3 billion. I'll say it again. $3 billion. Why are people really into this movie? I, I don't think it's the acting of Keanu Reeves, if you ask me. I think it's really that we are drawn into this idea that there's something happening behind the scenes. What is happening in the unseen world? Maybe we're being controlled by computers. Or maybe there's a spiritual world with angels and demons. You ever watch Natural Geographic and watch the animal as it would stalk its prey? Maybe you see that lion that's down in the, the tall grass laying as low as it can and just kind of creeping along on that grass until it gets close enough to a poor zebra or wildebeest, and it pounces, right? Back in uh, 1999, I'm going to date myself a little here. Back in 1999, I was a faculty member 
at Smoky Mountain Christian Camp, and I saw this cat that was acting like a lion. I was in, a, I was in one of the faculty meetings. I don't know who was dean. It was probably Obi Roberts that was dean at the time. And uh, I wasn't listening to what he said. I was watching this cat. It was just kind of creeping along. And I don't know what happened to me, but I just decided that I would scream just in the middle of the faculty meeting. And I went, ah, like that. And that cat jumped six feet straight in the air. Our passage this morning, if we could just bring it back into 1 Peter, has this stalking metaphor that calls us to respond to an unseen spiritual world. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Peter says to be self-controlled, to be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Peter knows a whole lot about the devil's work here. Peter is the number one, the number one person that we would need to go to when it comes to the devil. It was the night before Jesus was to be crucified. They were eating Passover dinner together, the disciples and Jesus, and there was this discussion in the middle of the dinner about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. There was this moment when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And then there came this discussion about who would betray Jesus. Peter said, not I, not in a million years, right? But Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. I don't know anything about wheat. I'm a city boy, okay? I've never grown wheat. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never even seen or touched wheat up close. And so I had to go to the expert on wheat. That is YouTube. I looked it up. And the ancient, the ancient technique of sifting wheat was to bundle the wheat together. They're in these long stalks. And then you had the wheat grain at the very tip of the stalk, and you would cover it with a bag, and you would take a club, and you would just beat that grain until it broke loose, until it broke loose from the head. When Jesus said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, I don't know, in my mind, I always thought it was like sifting through a stack of papers, right? No. Kind of beat that head until all the grain came out. Whatever Peter and the disciples were about to go through, 
would metaphorically feel like being shoved in a bag and beaten with a club, right? And later on that night, Peter and his disciples were reminded again about the devil's work. Jesus had taken the disciples to the Mount of Olives. There's a garden, there's a garden near Jerusalem. He left most of the disciples. He took Peter, James, and John further into the garden. He left those three to keep watch. And when he finds them sleeping, listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 14. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we all know what happens next, right? Peter falls asleep. And Judas shows up. They arrest Jesus. And all of the disciples scatter, run for their lives. Peter follows at a distance. He ends up denying Jesus three times. And Jesus would be crucified on a cross. Peter was not physically beaten in that moment. But he sure was spiritually flogged. Peter was unable to stay awake. And I don't think Jesus was talking about physical sleep. He was unable to see that there was this powerful, spiritual, unseen battle going on for his soul. And he was losing the battle getting beat up pretty bad along the way. So who are we going to go to when we want to have a conversation about the unseen world? Who do we want to go to when we want to have a conversation about the war that rages and about the devil who is leading that charge? Peter writes to the church. Y'all need to be self-controlled. Y'all need to be alert. Y'all need to resist the devil. Peter is giving the church the same advice that Jesus gave him. Open up your eyes. See the spiritual war that is happening around you. Satan is real. Peter knows that firsthand, and he helplessly falls asleep, and the devil pounces. He was sifted like wheat and came out as an edible chaff to be thrown out. Peter failed to see the spiritual battle, and he failed miserably because of it. It was the author, C.S. Lewis, who once wrote, If the devil exists... Their aim is to give you an anesthetic, to put you off your guard. Only if that fails do you become aware of them. And I think this is a great quote. How many of you have experienced anesthesia, right? It's crazy that the doctors can put you to sleep during a surgery. It's even crazier when they don't put you all the way out, right? Some of you have experienced that, where you're actually watching and knowing that you can't do anything about it. If the devils exist, their aim is spiritual anesthesia. 
C.S. Lewis also writes, there are two equal and opposite errors into which the human race can fall when it comes to the devil. One is to disbelieve in the devil's existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest. These are two equally bad errors. Now, Peter is correct that the devil is, is, is just roaring, ready to pounce. And we need to take his words seriously. Therefore, we need to look at Peter's action statements in this passage. And if you want to write these down, you can. They're right here in the passage, pretty clear. We got to be self-controlled, Peter says. The Greek word here for self-control means to be sober. It means to be clear-minded. It means to be watchful. Paul uses this exact word in 2 Timothy when he tells Timothy to keep his head in all circumstances, to keep your head in all situations. I remember when my boys used to play t-ball, I'd always yell out into the outfield, heads up, there's a battle, a batter about to hit. Why would I do that? Because Charlie or Eli, they'd be out there picking up flowers, right? They'd be looking at the, the birds in the air or, or waving at their teammates. No, keep, be alert, sober-minded. Keep your head in the game. And that's what self-controlled means here. It means for us to keep our head in the game because Satan is up to bat. And if you're not sober-minded and ready, we must also, secondly, be alert. Be alert. I love the King James Version's uh, way of translating this word. Be vigilant. To be vigilant. It's the same word that that Jesus uses when he tells Peter in the garden to be vigilant, to be alert, to watch as he went and pray. Be vigilant that you don't fall into temptation. Be alert, watch. There's a writer who wrote in to focus on the family asking, if we pray, Father, keep me free from temptation, Will, will, uh, will we actually have no temptation and it be completely taken from us? And the author of this article responded with Jesus' words to Peter. We must not only pray, Father, keep us free from temptation, but also be alert, to be watchful, to be vigilant. Peter's final action statement is resist. In my house, we've been using the word pass. It, it's, it, well, okay. In my house, I've been work using the word pass, and it's really annoying my wife. Hey, Dad, do you want to go ride a bike over at Baker's Creek? No, I'm going to pass. Uh, I almost broke my leg last time I did that. I'll take you, but I, I'm going to pass riding my bike. It's 100 degrees outside. Uh, 
You want to go mow the yard? Nah, nah, I'm going to pass. <laughs> the kids ask, uh, can we have ice cream? But they haven't finished their food. Nah, we're going to pass. I wish Adam and Eve had learned that phrase. Remember when Satan asked them, did God really say? I wish that Adam had just interrupted the serpent and said, no, no, actually he did and we're going to pass. The word resist is used in James 4, 7, and it's actually very closely tied to the words that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 5 in the Greek. When James says to resist the devil and he will what? Flee. He will flee. Think about resisting as choosing to submit to God. Because that's exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted, right? He resisted the devil by submitting to God's will. Hey, uh, Jesus, turn this, this uh, stone here into bread. I know you're hungry. And he submitted to God. Man does not live on bread alone. Hey, Jesus, what, you know, if, if we were to climb to the top of the tower and you were to jump off, you know those angels would save you. The, the angels would save you right away. Jesus submitted to God's will and said, do not put the Lord God to test. Satan showed him all the ends of the earth, said, all this can be yours if you bow to me. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to submit myself to God's will, which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's only one God. He submitted to God's word and will. And you know, that wasn't the only time that Jesus submitted to God's will. Do you remember in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond those disciples, and he prayed? This is right after Jesus had, had said to Peter, James, and John, wake up, watch, you're going to fall into temptation. And Jesus lived it out by submitting to God's will. And he said, Father, if you're willing, take the cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And that prayer must have been so powerfully emotional, that spiritual warfare must have worn on him spiritually and emotionally. Luke tells us that he, that he was crying drops of blood. And the next verse says that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, listen to this, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and sweat like drops of blood fell to the ground at that very moment jesus had the power of the angels at his side he chose to be strengthened to do god's will not to take out the roman army he could have taken out that that little coup that that judas had drawn up he could have taken them out just like that with the power of the angels. He could have taken out Caesar's army. He could have controlled this world. But the angels came 
to comfort him because he chose God's will. Jesus chose to die on the cross where he would bear the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. And in a powerful move, Jesus defeated death by rising from the grave three days later. But the battle rages on. And there is a spiritual war happening right now. We can't see it. We can't touch it. But I felt its effects. Bitterness, pride, hate, division. I know the spiritual war is happening right here in this community. It's why it's so important to have a community that is unified with eyes that are wide open to the spiritual battle taking place. Imagine, friends, what would happen if we all just stopped and opened our, our eyes and began to resist the devil by submitting to God's will. I believe that instead of bitterness, we'd have forgiveness. I believe instead of pride, there would be humility. I believe that instead of hate, there would be grace. Instead of division, there would be unity. This community here could be unstoppable if we submit ourselves to God's word and his will and open our eyes to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, to resist temptation. Friends, the war is won. We talked about it today in Sunday school. Jesus is coming back. The war is won, but the battle is still happening today. So we must be alert. We must be watchful. And we must resist. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful that the war is won. I'm grateful for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that he submitted to your will, teaching us what it takes, teaching us that there is, in fact, this battle happening. And I pray, Father, that you will strengthen this community, that we might be alert, that we might resist, that we might just be watchful of what's happening. Father, with your grace, the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.